Scott for Scott's here. Do you hear that? Bring the mic in close. That's not how the grass should sound. There's weeds everywhere on this lawn. It's time to take action with Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action. It gets three jobs done at once, kills weeds, prevents crabgrass, and feeds your lawn so it keeps growing strong. Ah, much better. Get a bag of Scott's Triple Action today. It's guaranteed, or your money back. Feed your lawn. Feed it. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount Plus. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, PodMN, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once and always for joining me today here after the Minnesota Vikings had an epic battle with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins were insane, as was a certain wide receiver. And the Minnesota Vikings end up winning the game with a closing drive and a game-winning field goal. What do you think of that? 34-31. to 31. It's an upside-down world. It truly is. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the theme of this show. That's the title of this episode. Lots of things today were complete opposites of what we've seen in the past. And we'll kind of try to get to all that as soon as possible. Again, 34-31, Minnesota over the Green Bay Packers. We're 5-5, five and five, Green Bay's 8-3. and three. Maybe the record should be split up. Uh, should, yeah, maybe the record should be like uh, split or changed, so to speak. Switched up would sound a little better. Vikings should be 8-3 and three or something like that. Why the hell not? But we're not, so that's just how fate goes. Greg Joseph missed an extra point, which is annoying, but he made the game-winning kick. Upside-down world, right? Upside-down world. Upside-down world, indeed. Aaron Rodgers has a spectacular day, outsmarting us time and time again, having wow, defenders going the wrong way, this and that, and part of that's maybe defensive players being unprepared. I don't know. It, it is what it is. Aaron Rodgers changes things on the fly, and they always have a creative, deadly offense there in Green Bay ever since Brett Favre suited up 30 years ago, literally 30 years ago, <laughs> 29, 30 years ago. It's about that. Um, yeah, it's always been that way. High IQ quarterbacks in Green Bay, only two necessary so far during the course of the last 30 years that have outsmarted some of our defenders over the years and given us lots of pain and anguish and frustration. Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a single interception. He's almost perfect throughout the game, despite a few nice uh, pass rushes coming his direction and some hurries and such. And believe it or not, he was sacked a couple times. Did the Vikings end up winning in that situation? Okay, so that's a little interesting. Wow, we actually win in that situation. Usually when the Vikings beat the Packers, Rodgers struggles. The defense is completely on the ball and we're rocking and rolling. Uh, 
but this time Rodgers didn't have the ball at the end of the game. That's the big difference. Upstate on world, huh? Kirk Cousins ends up throwing three touchdown passes. Could have had two or three interceptions today. But that's also the other reason why the uh, things are a little upside down world and why it's an urban legend as well. Kirk Cousins nearly doubled the uh, <laughs> completion. <laughs> Kirk Cousins nearly attempted the yards per, per attempt in uh, in this game throughout the season. That's a massive urban legend right there. 11. 11 yards per attempt in today's game. Insane. Vikings are actually throwing the ball down the field. So a little more high-risk, high-reward, so to speak, down the stretch. Adam Thielen now has eight touchdowns on the season, 82 yards on eight catches, 10 targets. Justin Jefferson was targeted 10 times, okay, so we're back to double digits again. Big play after big play, generally speaking. Lots of underneath stuff, but then again, there was a couple of huge plays. Eight catches for 169 yards, and he also got in the end zone twice. Now, that sounds like what we would like to see if you're a Justin Jefferson fan and a Minnesota Vikings fan, especially in general, just a general Minnesota Vikings fan, when you start seeing the offense go out there and have some fun and get things done. <clears throat> Rhyme not intended. It just happened that way. Dylan Cook averaged just about four yards a carry, 80, 86 yards, was huge down the stretch during the final drive when we wanted to eat it up some of the clock before we took our field goal attempt. I was screaming at the TV saying, why don't we just go for the damn touchdown? Because Rodgers is, the worst case scenario, Rodgers will at least tie the game rather than beat us. Because he's going to beat us if we kick a field goal. But no, luckily, luckily it was only third down and the Vikings were able to run the clock all the way down to the end. But watch, watch, he's going to miss, isn't he? He's going to miss because that's just been the Vikings this year, and that's what the announcers were talking about as well. Greg Olson, uh, Greg Olson, pardon me, uh, the uh, color commentator. It just kind of had that vibe. Uh, I mean, we've had one close loss after one close loss throughout the game, uh, throughout the season, and then Greg Joseph threw the uprights. Felt damn good. He did miss the extra point earlier in the game, but looks like we have a kicker, and that's a nice feeling. It looks like we have a decent, solid kicker. I would keep Greg Joseph. I'd sign him to like a two or three year extension. Why the hell not? It's not gonna. Even if you have to cut him, you have to cut him. Uh, that's how that's how the NFL works. But he's somebody I would want to keep with the Minnesota Vikings. At least he's okay. At least he's stable. He's okay. He's more clutch than we've had since uh, Kai Forbath, at the very least. Let's just tell it like it is. He's more clutch than anybody we've had since Kai Forbath. And Forbath hit that 55 yarder against the Saints in the playoffs in the second round. That's a big one. That is a big one before the Saints ended up tying up the game, actually taking the lead, pardon me, and ultimately would have beaten the Vikings if not for the Minneapolis Miracle. That was 2017. And we reward Kai Forbath by bringing in Dan Carlson. Hey, there's your reward. There's your reward, Kai. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty harsh, isn't it? Jordan Berry is very solid. Again, only had to punt the ball three times because it was an offensive juggernaut of a day. Corey, Corey B, we'll just call him that. <laughs> Bjorkwes? I guess that's how you say it. Maybe it's Bjorkwes. It's something like that. It's Corey B. It's CB. He also had a, only only two punts in the game, a couple of boomers in that case. A 62-yarder among those. Crosby doinked one from only 36 yards out, which was kind of funny. It is what it is. Vikings look like uh, we were going to give up a touchdown. Ultimately, Packers end up with nothing as there was a pass dropped, which had Rodgers with that classic funny look in his eye, like, you've got to be kidding me. And then Crosby misses. He's pissed off. He doinks it. So Crosby missed a field goal attempt, made all of his extra points. Greg Joseph made two of three for extra points and made both of his field goals. One of them was a 51-yarder. Very solid. Greg Joseph, again, looking like a kicker, knock on wood, for uh, many years to come, or so I hope. 
Harrison Smith and Armand Watts are the two Vikings to actually pick up sacks in today's game. Kirk Cousins was sacked twice by the same guy, Preston Smith, who was able to get through twice. Uh, Kenny Clark was an absolute uh, beast throughout the day today. Made uh, Mason Cole look a little worse than he had been the past few weeks, as Mason Cole had been outstanding. He'd been the best center, according to Pro Football Focus, for the Minnesota Vikings since... uh, <laughs> since Bradbury suited up for Minnesota, so that's pretty much, pretty much wrapped it up there. Bradbury healthy, but on the sidelines, and I think he was on the sidelines for that reason, not just because, well, you know, or not just because. Oh, we got to be careful. He's coming back from COVID. I'm sure that's something, especially when you're a bigger-bodied person. Any type of offensive lineman, even the smaller ones like Bradbury, would be considered. Yeah, it's a little bit dangerous. This and that when you're a little bit bigger guy coming back from COVID. This and that, but. Um, I think uh, I think Mason Cole is in there for more of a reason than just the COVID thing. Somehow I think so because uh, Rogers came back from COVID, and well, he looked pretty freaking good, didn't he? He looked pretty freaking good. Like what was it? Like two years ago, Rogers looked like he was just about done. And then he blew up last year, and he was league MVP again, and he's pretty much been league MVP most of the way. Last well, uh, for a couple of games, he wasn't so great, Rogers, but generally speaking, he's had an amazing season once again. And again, he's playing angry. Because everybody's, uh, you know, trying to push him out of Green Bay. And then now the, the woke pitchfork nation has been after him ever since the, the whole uh, situation where he called himself immunized. Well, I am immunized. I don't have the vaccine, but I'm immunized. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I am immunized. <laughs> when you have COVID, you're, you have immunity. So there is natural immunity and there's vaccine immunity. Your opinion on that is your opinion. And we'll leave that as is. <laughs> Go ahead and hate all you want, I guess. Uh, KJ Clutch, he, boy, there were multiple situations where KJ Clutch, it should have been something, but doggone it. KJ Clutch dropped one of the passes, so he wasn't just Clutch today. He was KJ Drop, I guess. I don't know what else to call it. KJ, oops. Looked like a big play to start uh, the final drive of the first half to get the Vikings maybe in the field goal range, hopefully, with one more play. Would have put the Vikings near there. And it was ruled to drop, and it was the right call. I have nothing to complain about the refs today. Zilch. Zero to complain with the refs today at all. And I don't think we got super lucky either on the uh, terrible, crucial penalty by the uh, Packer defender, number 36. I'm blanking on that guy now. It was King? I think it was King. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, it was a terrible, <laughs> I mean, what was he thinking? Dry, uh, coming into Aaron, uh, excuse me, it was going to be an interception by Kirk Cousins. I mean, we're lucky as hell there. It was a miscommunication between Raj, uh, between Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. And then all of a sudden, it would have, yeah, it would have completely killed the drive, obviously. And then all of a sudden there was a flag and ended up being, <laughs> roughing the passer and he went helmet to helmet right into Kirk Cousins, and he was complaining about the call, but, I mean, that's a common-sense call. Of course he hit. Of course, it's rubbing the passer. He went helmet into helmet. It's funny, too, how the Vikings also got one later, which ended up being a touchdown completion to Avante Adams. Rodgers looked like he was he was trying to call the timeout at the last second. Ended up having, having the ball hiked to him. Vikings were caught off guard, and Avante Adams rolled right into the end zone. Vikings defense caught off guard many times today, I have to say. Nobody really blew me away uh, defensively today. Eric Hendricks was generally good because he usually is. Anthony Barr actually had nine tackles in the game. That's pretty nice. Harrison Smith, a very nice return with a sack and a few tackles as well. Patrick Peterson 
average. Patrick Peterson is about average. Xavier Woods got beat a bit, this and that. Darnell Savage had a back-and-forth crazy day for the Packers, luckily. Oh, luckily, Darnell Savage uh, was uh, was also unable to hang on to the ball, a la KJ Osborne. Didn't have full control, did not make a football move. That would have killed a Viking drive as well and possibly would have given the Packers the win. Very possibly would have given the Packers the win down the stretch after Rodgers had tied it up. Again, after Rodgers and uh, Valdez Scantling had completed as um, there were so many potential plays in the game where those two... It was like a volcano waiting to erupt. As you notice, 10 targets, 4 receptions. Obviously, some of those were throwaways from Rodgers. But ultimately, uh, there were, again, some huge plays that just weren't there because of, thankfully there was a defense or the pass was just it was off a little bit. Rodgers actually missed, believe it or not, in a game he'd been on fire most of the way. He actually missed, overthrew him a little bit. Scandling would have had another huge one. But ultimately, again, the one play 75 yards down the field was disgusting. And it looked like we were going to give the ball right back to Green Bay, which would have ended the game most likely, because we know what's going to happen. Thank God in heaven, though, Aaron Rodgers would not get the ball back at that point. Would, would not see the ball again. Darnell Savage did not get the interception. He had a generally very good game, but he was not able to actually have full control of the ball and make a football move, this and that. Whew, left the Vikings uh, breathing a sigh of relief because Green Bay probably wins the game if Darnell Savage is able to uh, hang on to that one and uh, get an re- interception recorded. It's just funny how it wound up with Kirk Cousins with no interceptions. It could have easily been three touchdowns, three interceptions in the game, and I do think the Vikings lose in that situation. But uh, again, it's an upside-down world. It's an upside-down world. We're actually throwing the ball deep. We're taking chances. Not even throwing it deep, but deeper. Deeper than we had been. It's now. This is not Cunningham to Moss. 98. This is not flea flickers, you know, and all that, and high, and like heaving the ball 60 yards down the field. That's not particularly what's going on. But there are some big plays that are there now, 20 yards, 30 yards plus down the field that could turn into 50 yards because of yak, you know, yards after catch, stuff like that. Um, overall, fun, entertaining brand of football that I think everybody's enjoying. Everybody. Uh, we looked kind of like Green Bay a little bit. We looked kind of like the Packers a little bit. Minus Aaron Rodgers' mobility and Kirk Cousins' not so much on the mobility uh, factor. In fact, the two rushes he had were just the kneel downs at the end of the game and uh, before the uh, field goal attempt. It was not victory formation, of course. It was uh, hang on to the ball and run the clock down to three seconds so we can kick a field goal and win the game and hopefully walk off, you know, walk off with the win there. Um it's funny, yeah. Kirk Cousins actually never ran the ball once throughout the day, where Aaron Rodgers several times, well, multiple times anyway, ran for first downs, including one for 18 yards, which turned uh, a dead situation into a pretty pretty big-time play and moved the Packers forward. I'm all over the place, but that's the kind of game it was. It was all over the place. It was good. It was fun. It was entertaining. It left us all feeling happy, generally speaking. Like that song, the happy whatever, like from the 70s, I'm happy or something. I can't even imitate it. But uh, I think most of you know what that is. In fact, uh, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings has a very good idea about that one, <laughs> generally speaking. But this was a fun, entertaining brand of football. You wish the Vikings could string these type of things together and then maybe, just maybe, this could end up being a very, very fantastic season that ends much better than most of us would have anticipated just a few weeks ago. Maybe. Um, it's hard to 
it's hard for me to be super confident that that's going to happen. That's why you didn't hear me going, or anything. Well, then again, you weren't at my apartment. I didn't do that. I was just like, okay, cool. Well, you made it. All right. It was kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, five and five is five and five. Eight and three, nine and two would feel super good right now. Number one seed in the division and the conference and everything. You'd feel like a million bucks. It's a great feeling. Of course, you still aren't going to bust the whole house down if you've been around the Vikings for 30 years or 20 years or anything because you've seen heartbreak. You've seen disappointment. You've seen the other shoe drop of 100 million times. So the only time you're going to really see me get insanely emotional is A, getting to the Super Bowl, and then uh, the emotion will literally double should the Vikings win that Super Bowl. Uh, other than that, getting to the NFC title game is it would be extremely exciting. But this time, win the damn thing, because it's been six losses in a row now. That's too many. That's a lot of losses in a row in the NFC title game. So, uh, yep, I'm, I'm one of those jaded kind of fans. I'm not up here bashing the team, obviously. It was, a, it was fun. That was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. I'm not up here cursing. I'm not getting mad. I was cursing and screaming for a second, then I realized the situation. Oh, it's third down. It's just still, you're putting it all on the kicker, all the pressure's on the kicker, and it's just kind of been a funny run with that for the last nine years plus. Uh, it's been a funny run with that since 98, let's be honest. Of course, we've had many kickers make big kicks, but it doesn't seem to happen in big playoff games, though. Just uh, <laughs> just at the end of regular season games, like Paul Edinger, you know, he had a game winner. Um, Ryan Longwell had multiple game winners this and that, and he never got a chance to have the game winner in New Orleans. Uh, you let Blair Walsh miss, you know, the stupid one. Dan Carlson missed and we ended up tying with Green Bay. That was stupid. I went Aaron Rodgers, or uh, Kirk Cousins had a spectacular game that day. Vikings offense looked gorgeous. And then Carlson misses three kicks. Three kicks. That's nine points. Make just one of the damn things and we win. Just, just think about that. And the next thing you know, he's the best kicker in the league with Oakland. Okay, one of them. Oakland slash Vegas. Um, why am I going off into La La Land so much? But that's just because my mind's going to wander in a game like this. What could have been, what should have been, It just you just keep feeling it again. It's cool that it was an upside-down world. Well, we are getting more aggressive. After the uh, completion was ruled a, well, not completion, after the catch was ruled incomplete by K.J. Osborne at the end of the half, that was where I got frustrated because then we got ultra-conservative. It was like a three-yard gain. And then next thing you know, he just kind of did a whole lot of nothing. It was stupid. It was a stupid drive at the end of the half that wound up being nothing. And then the Packers marched down the field, and then they got back into striking distance. That's what drove me absolutely nuts. Uh, Rodgers drove them down the field and got them into striking distance uh, ASAP there with only 38 seconds remaining. That was beyond frustrating because we literally just gave the ball right back to them. It was stupid. It was bullcrap. And then somebody named Josiah... Degara, Degara, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, got his first touchdown of his career from one of the greatest to ever play the game, yes. You know, and obviously, as much as all of us have hated Aaron Rodgers forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever amen, forever, you know, the arrogance, the this and that, just the fact he's got G on his helmet and all that, you know, <laughs> just the fact he's got the Green Bay logo on his helmet, this and that. Just like Brett Favre, about, you know, about 10, 15 years ago now. Let's go with 15 years ago. I started to gain a ton of respect for him. The, the hate started to kind of fade away. You know, like a hoppy beer, a really, really hoppy beer. When it first comes off the uh, 
conveyor belt and all that, so to speak. You know, it's just been put in the can. It's a brand new, really hoppy beer. There's a ton of bitterness. It's insane. See, that's when Rogers was young and you hated his guts. I hated him. He's so, who's this cocky kid? Obviously, he's good and everything, and he could have gone number one in the draft, but you hated his guts. But then as the years go by, the hops fade and the malt sweetness takes over. <laughs> years go by, or his beer, it's like weeks and months go by. And it's kind of like that. You know, like I've, I've softened a little bit on Aaron Rodgers over the years. I never thought I would, but I kind of have now. Still hate his guts, still want to beat him just like with Brett Favre. But it's you, you soften a little bit, and it was kind of fun to watch him outsmart and embarrass the Cowboys in the playoffs a couple of years back. It was unbelievable how stupid the Cowboys looked and how smart Rodgers looked in that game. It was funny. Um, it was hilarious. So it's just little things like that. That was when I started to really kind of to change a little bit. It was a couple of years ago. Still got to beat the Packers, still hate their guts. I'm sick and tired of seeing Devontae Adams dance all over us every damn week. Sick and tired of seeing... Uh, the Packers marched on the field with 30 seconds left and not to, to beat a, a team, you know, like Chicago or or whoever the heck it is, Carolina or whoever. It's freaking frustrating as hell. You want to see them lose, and they don't. It's stuff like that. But then you just, you know, the again, the bitterness kind of starts to fade away as they get older, like it did with Brett Favre. Um, when Brett Favre at the time passed, I believe it was Dan Marino, right? Yeah, because this is a long time ago now. Brett Favre passed Dan Marino to become the all-time uh, passing leader, and it was in the Metrodome circa 2007. I stood up clapping. I stood up clapping. I was okay with it. Uh, that was back when I was making YouTube videos for Purple Mafia. Back then it was called just Paladino Live, uh, the Minnesota Vikings edition of Paladino Live. So <laughs> the next year I started Purple Mafia, 2008. Um, yeah, I stood up clapping, I applauded, and I mentioned it on the uh, on the YouTube video. What a legend, this and that. So... It's kind of becoming that way with Rodgers now a little bit. He's a little bit less likable than Brett Favre, but, well, we'll just leave that as is. Very entertaining football game. Really appreciate what uh, the Vikings were able to accomplish. The defense was good at times, but generally it's, you know, it's a work in progress. It's it's different every week. The, the, the defense is different every week, wouldn't you say? Some weeks you get the great pass rush. Other weeks it's not there. Some weeks the, the secondary is real good. The next week it's not there. Uh, and obviously it depends on the quarterback. It depends on the game plan. It depends on the game plan of the other team. Uh, Rodgers was just finding players in the right time, right place, generally speaking. But luckily, again, Kirk Cousins, who's easily having his best season as a Vikings quarterback, easily. He's the most clutch he's ever been as a Vikings quarterback, uh, generally speaking. Except in that gosh darn stupid Cowboys game. I never understood that. That was weird. Halloween night. It's like the... It's like the two girls were saying, come and play with us, Kirk. We want to play with you forever and ever. And that's how he played, like horrified. He looked like Danny, you know, little Danny in uh, The Shining. That's what he looked like that night. Bullcrap. Hopefully he doesn't do that in the playoffs if we are fortunate enough to be there. Not sure we will be, but uh, take it one game at a time and back against the wall and uh, all that good stuff. Vikings are in the wild card. If the season ends at this second, so we all know how things can change very quickly. The Los Angeles Rams are, are a wild card team because Arizona's still way up there. Minnesota Vikings, Nolens, no, New Orleans Saints, that's not going to last. And next week's opponent, the San Francisco 49ers, also 5-5. Five and five. Ooh, 5-5, five and 5-5, five. Five and five, all of us. Hmm, uh-oh. So if the Vikings want to make the postseason, Next week is the next biggest game of the year. Today was uh, stay alive, stay alive, ha ha, staying alive. Next week is kind of the same thing. 
but also trying to build upon staying alive. Like not only staying alive, but actually maybe putting a crate down so you can get out of this uh, this evil prison in wherever, Guantanamo or something. <laughs> Let's just say the prison is like not making the playoffs. Yeah, that was creative, wasn't it? The Tampa Bay Bucks are obviously a division leader. Packers are very obviously a division leader. They're two and a half games ahead of us still, which sucks, but that's reality. The Cowboys are playing right now, trailing six to zilch after the Chiefs have taken the recent lead here. Uh, they must have missed an extra point or something. I don't know, because I've been doing the show. And Arizona's top of the NFC right now at 8-2. and two. Congrats to them. Tennessee... Yeah, Tennessee. We'll talk about that later. Looks like that hasn't been... Oh, no, it has been updated, and they're still there. Good for them. <laughs> Patriots. I can't believe it. Patriots. Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots. The Patriots are going to win their division again. <laughs> the Patriots are going to win their division again. That's funny. Without Tom Brady. It's weird, but it's going to happen. The <laughs> Fran Tarkington Award winner for this episode is Justin Jefferson. That's like, duh. Of course it's Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins was pretty good. But he almost cost us the game with a couple of interceptions. Of course, again, one of them might have actually been Jefferson's fault, where there was a miscommunication. That was the one that there was ultimately a pass interference. Uh, excuse me. Roughing the passer called helmet to helmet. King into King Kirk. Uh, Kirk Cousins, yes. Captain Kirk, the king, hit the captain in the head. And luckily, the interception was overturned. Nah, 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 boo-boo. And then a boo-boo. They didn't get that one. <laughs> uh, but Kirk, obviously good. So again, not everything was Kirk's fault. And of course, yeah, Helmet was coming to his head as he threw that interception. It was a combination of miscommunication because Jefferson was still going forward and the ball was thrown behind. So you'd expect Jefferson to turn there. Uh, looked like uh, Jefferson was looking to go all the way into the end zone with that one. Was was uh, yep, uh, looking for that kind of a play. I believe that would be been a post and uh, Kirk had it like a more of a curl type of a play there. Unfortunately, uh, a little more of an underneath up the middle type of catch was what Kirk was looking to go for, and that's where uh, the interception was ultimately made and was not counted. Blah, bitty, frickin' blah. So the Christian Potter Memorial, I don't think anybody majorly stands out. It's gonna, it might be like kind of like a committee thing. It might end up being Mason Cole, because he got, he got beat pretty bad today. I have to say, I didn't hate it, but he was getting—he was going against a damn good player on the inside there for Green Bay and Kenny Clark. You killed Kenny, you bastard. Okay, sorry. That was stupid. I couldn't help it. McKenzie Alexander was beat a few times. It was just, ugh. Uh, Xavier Woods wasn't so hot today. I can't really bash too much on Bashard Breland. Yeah, he was beat a little bit, but he wasn't that bad. He's been adequate the past few weeks. Um, and then, you know, Patrick Peterson was average. He was okay. He, you know, he, he made some stops. He wasn't too spectacular, though. This and that. He was beat a little bit, but not that badly. Sheldon Richardson was strong and blah, blah, blah. Everson Griffin had a frustrating pass interference, crushing uh, Aaron Rodgers. Again, the Aaron Rodgers role where you're smashing him into the ground. This and that. That's how Aaron, one of the reasons, one of the ways Aaron Rodgers broke his shoulder uh, a few years ago, or was it the collarbone? Um, different angle this time, though. It wouldn't have broken the guy's collarbone, but who, who knows? Maybe it could have caused a concussion or something crazy like that. Uh, it's kind of a committee. Like, Woods beat a bit. He wasn't that hot in the game. Uh, guys like that. Kind of like Woods uh, and uh, uh, McKenzie Alexander, who's not been good the past few weeks. 
in my humble opinion. The Vikings secondary got eaten up pretty good today. I mean, they got slaughtered, actually. Rodgers made two-thirds of his completions, generally speaking, slightly over, so about 68%. Yeah, because 23 of 33, 385, four touchdowns, quarterback rating 148.4. Kirk Cousins, 120, 148.4 to 128.4. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> crazy. 341 and three touchdowns on 24 completions, uh, 35 attempts for Kirk. Pretty even, really, between the quarterbacks, generally. Uh, Vikings nowhere near interceptions today, though. Just inaccurate passes on occasion by the guy they call A-Rod and the State Farm host, game show host, I guess you can call him now. Oh, boy. Well, with that, we'll take a quick break. We're going to look around the league and preview the San Francisco 49ers as the Vikings head to Northern Cal next week. Pick up some Sierra Nevada for me, will you? And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Going to look around the league and preview the San Francisco 49ers, another one of that second group, uh, 3 o'clock game, because it's out on the West Coast, of course. Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lead 7-3, but the Steelers are threatening. Second and goal at the 2. Sounds familiar during the Vikings game a bit. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. Looks like, uh, yeah. Well, they're stopped there for now. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's look around the league like I was trying to say. I had it up and then I lost it. Or so I'd like to believe. New England Patriots versus the Atlanta Falcons rematch of Super Bowl 50 and similar results. Well, New England took a 25-point lead and hung on to it. Sorry, Atlanta, to uh, do that to you. But, I mean, you got to hang on to leads like that. Uh, no, that's just so symbolic, isn't it? 25-0. Isn't, uh, isn't that just symbolic of the whole thing? New England is now 7-4 and four and in first place in the NFC East. The Patriots are in first place in the NFC East. That sounds familiar, too. You know what also sounds familiar? Nick Folk made, like, three field goals in the game. Ah, excuse me, four. Mac Jones uh, looks very solid. Patriots were on their way most of the game. Mac Jones is very solid. Did, did have an interception. Matt Ryan had two. <sighs> Josh Rosen threw an interception. Felipe Franks threw an interception on one of those little fun plays. They just couldn't get anything going. No touchdowns, four INTs for the Atlanta quarterbacks. And it was an absolute disaster. And uh, the New England Patriots don't look now. They're a playoff team. They're a legitimate playoff team. They'd even host a wild card game at this stage. Who'd have thunk that, huh? But it's happening. Who'd have thunk this? Indianapolis Colts heading to Buffalo. Especially with the way Indianapolis was struggling despite playing fairly well. They just kept losing games. Now they're 6-5, and five, so I guess anything's possible, as Kevin Garnett would say. So much for the Buffalo Bills hosting any game. They're not going to be hosting anything. They might have to scratch and claw for a road game the way they're going. 41-15 to 15 at home. Indianapolis Colts crush the Buffalo Bills. 6-4. and four. Take that, Stefan Diggs, I guess. Jonathan Taylor. Anybody owns him in fantasy football? They are dancing on the clouds because they won. <laughs> it's that simple. They won. If they didn't win, their team must really suck. I mean, suck. 185 yards. Four touchdowns. 
185 yards, four touchdowns. Need I say more? He averaged about six yards a carry. Just rolled all over those sons of guns. Come on, Buffalo. What's what's going on? They got... Uh, I didn't want to remember that guy's name because I can't stand him. Uh, they got Alvin Kamara just about. Alvin Kamara had six touchdowns against the Vikings. That was the most since like some, some guy in the 30s. We'll just call it that. Some guy in the 30s because he would be a great-great-grandpa today. Easily he would be. Josh Allen, couple of INTs, and the Indianapolis Colts are back in the playoff picture. At least as far as I'm concerned, they should be. They are not in the playoff picture at the moment, but they will be. Cincinnati is still hanging around. Pittsburgh is still hanging around, and the Chargers are in the hunt, just like the Vikings are in the hunt. I guess we're officially in it now, and San Francisco's in the hunt. But, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that very soon. That's the feature presentation of Segment 2. Chicago and Baltimore, that's a very black and blue game. We'll get back to that later. Cleveland, Detroit. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get back to that too. <clears throat> Houston and Tennessee. Let's see. The Houston Texans have won two games all year. They're a dumpster fire. They suck. They're this. They're that. Tennessee's the best team in the AFC. At least I thought they were. Uh, they look very, very impressive. Obviously, the running game took a hit, but now you got the legendary Adrian Peterson and uh, Dante Foreman, guys like that. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. You know, they, there should be no problem. Tennessee versus the Houston Texans, that's, that's that's nonsense. This is a garbage game. Tennessee rolls, right? No, Houston rolls. Excuse me, Houston rolled. Tyrod Taylor threw for only 100 yards, but he didn't turn the ball over. And he did run for two touchdowns. He was able to scamper into the end zone for a couple touchdowns. And the Houston Texans spoiled the fun a little bit. In fact, Houston had actually only won one game leading into this game. They won their second game today, 22-13. to I was just staring at that all day like, okay, that's going to change, right? No. The Houston-Texas defense is what really got this done. And then Tyrod Taylor was able to get in from the goal line a couple of times. Multiple interceptions. In fact, four interceptions, including a pick. Nothing. Not pick six, but a massive return. Along the way, about an 80-yard return on one of the INTs. That's pretty ridiculous. You have 82 yards by Camus Grigor Hill. Nearly in a pick six linebacker for the Texans, putting on a damn good impression. Desmond King the second, couple of interceptions in the game. That's crazy. And Terrence Mitchell also added to the interception party. That's four interceptions for the Houston Texans. And Tannehill got his ass kicked, as did the Tennessee Titans. Adrian Peterson, Hall of Fame watch, 40 yards in the game. 40 yards, not the greatest number I've ever seen. But it's just the way that goes at the end of the day. Truly is. I'm trying to find something here. Is this even recording? Yes, it is. I was kind of scared for a minute there. So, yeah. I mean, I can't believe it. Tennessee got whooped pretty much by the Houston Texans. Miami versus the New York Jets. Miami Dolphins have won three games in a row. The Jets stink. Uh, Dolphins beat Buffalo. I think that's when the winning streak started, if I remember correctly. They won again last week. Did Miami. And now the Miami Dolphins are 4-7. and seven. Don't look now. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. They beat the Jets who are 2-8. They're just like the Texans. 24-17. to Gotta love those Miami Dolphin uniforms. Tua was very solid in the game. This is one of his better games this year. Joe Flacco was actually very good in the game, to be quite fair. He didn't turn the ball over. A couple touchdowns. Turned back the clock a little bit. Just like the Baltimore Ravens. He was more than good enough at the very least. Uh, quarterback rating over 100 at least. Miles Gaston, Gaskin, I keep wanting to say Gaston, that sounds more familiar to me, 
Miles Gaskin with 89 yards on the ground for Miami, keeping the ball forward. And the Jets dropped a 2-8, and eight and they're looking to figure out something. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to figure out. Just end the season. That's what I call them. That's what they are. Just end the season. It's getting, it's getting to be, uh, yeah, crazy. Philadelphia over a injured and battered uh, New Orleans Saints team. At least they're not going to win a whole lot without their starting quarterback, even though he wasn't that good. Trevor Simeon threw three touchdowns, but the multiple interceptions weren't good. And Jalen Hurts ran for three, scampered for three touchdowns in the game. Absolutely showing some athleticism and some strength along the way, flexing the muscles, literally. Miles Sanders also ran for almost six yards a carry and 94 yards. And then Jordan Howard ran for 63. My goodness, man. Philadelphia really packing on the yards. About 200-plus yards there on the ground for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're showing uh, no mercy at the end of the day. Not not quite much of those beautiful option plays where it looked like it was going to be a handoff, and the next thing you knew, you saw receivers in the end zone against the Vikings and stuff and the Patriots two weeks later. I'm not bitter or anything. I just was. I just hated it, that's all. <clears throat> I just hated it. But the Philadelphia Eagles all of a sudden are kind of back in the, the hunt again, five and six. They're kind of like the, I don't know, I want to say the Miami Dolphins, so they're making a comeback over in the AFC. They're not going to make the playoffs, though. That'd be shocking. Uh, the Saints dropped to 5-5, five and five, so much for them being a major factor in the postseason. That's not going to happen. Washington football team, Washington W's, Washington Redskins, Washington Gophers, Washington this, Washington that. The Washington W's is what I'll call them until they get a real name. They won their second straight game after they took down the Bucks last week. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can you believe it? Ron Rivera spoils the return of Cam Cameron Newton as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Does that sound familiar? I think it does. Ron Rivera, again, coach of the Carolina Panthers when they were really good and got to the Super Bowl and all that. Cam Newton was actually pretty damn good in the game. Let's be fair. He threw for a couple TDs. And he also ran one in. 46 yards on the ground for the old injury-prone son of a gun. He looks way different, doesn't he? He looks different, but that's how it goes. Tyler Heineke. We had almost a perfect game. Taylor Heineke, pardon me. Almost a perfect game. Three touchdowns. Quarterback rating 141. 200 yards. Not the greatest, most spectacular numbers you ever saw, but good enough. And the uh, Washington defense at the end stood strong and denied Cam Newton any type of advance along the way. They sacked him along the way, and that killed the final drive for the Carolina Panthers. Panthers dropped down to 5-6. and six. Washington football W's, whatever they are, jumped to 4-6 and six after winning a couple games in a row. So, okay, they're kind of back in the hunt. We'll see. Who knows? We'll leave the San Francisco one for very last because that's our team next week. Cincy and Las Vegas. <clears throat> Cincinnati. After kind of kind of jumping up and at the beginning of the year and dropping down and popping back up again. Then the Las Vegas Raiders being what's going on there. It's whatever it is. It's depressing. I wish they could be actually good and be a playoff team. And they probably would have been if not for stuff. If, if not for, you know, uh, <laughs> Roger Goodell getting getting a little getting a little too big for his britches earlier in the year. That's how I look at it. 32 to 13. 32 to 13. Are you kidding me? Absolutely rolled over the Vegas Raiders. The Cincinnati Bungle Bengals with those really cool pants actually, the black with orange stripes. That is really cool actually. I love those very much. Awesome. Uh Cincinnati Bengals going to Vegas and uh they uh bet the house and won, I guess. 32 to 13. <laughs> Absolutely stomped them. 
into the ground. Good for them. Good for Cincinnati. Six and four. Joe Burrow, solid, but not great. Derek Carr, solid and a little less than great. Joe Mixon, a couple of TDs, 123 yards on the ground. Definitely a running type of day, at least for Cincinnati. They were burning the clock as well. They are running the clock down as much as possible. And Oakland, uh, Oakland, I just called him Oakland. Vegas just couldn't get anything going. Evan McPherson also added four field goals. And he missed an extra point. That's funny. But they uh, yeah, Cincinnati in the playoff picture right now. Third place, but very much in the playoff picture for us. Uh, uh, the AFC, as we like to call it. What might be, because I think, I swear, every year, every year, the two teams that wind up playing each other in the Super Bowl, not every year, but it happens a lot, somehow find each other in the postseason, or in the regular season. Kansas City-Dallas, you never know. Maybe this is the Super Bowl. Maybe. And it might be the exact result. Kansas City's been picking it up again after coming off to a horrendous start to the season. Actually, they started okay, and then they really hit a wall. Things got really, really bad and strange. They couldn't beat anybody all of a sudden, and they almost lost to Detroit. They almost lost to Detroit. Do you realize that? Of course, a lot of us did, too, so I can't say much. 19-9, to they stymied the Dallas Cowboys today. It's actually quite impressive. 19-9 to for a Kansas City defense that's been horrible. It's been their Achilles heel all season and really last year as well when they couldn't uh, do anything much. They really stymied and frustrated Dak Prescott throughout the day, and they sort of stopped the run for the most part. Tony Pollard got what he wanted at the time, and then he didn't get the ball much after that. Zeke Elliott banged up a bit during the course of the game. Michael Gallup had a couple of nice catches, but generally speaking, Dak Prescott struggled off and on throughout the day, and the Kansas City defense actually was as good as it's been all season, keeping an excellent Dallas offense down to nine points. Nine points. Three and a half sacks by Chris Jones. That's going to help. Three and a half. He went Daniel Hunter on the, uh, the bit there. SPA might say, maybe. But Kansas City, 7-4, and four, right? 7-4, first place in the AFC West. I guess that sounds familiar, too. Kansas City winning a division title. Hmm. Arizona's looking to win a division. Oh, yeah. And they are, they are thumping Seattle down into the ground as quick as possible. And good for them. It's about freaking time. Everybody's sick and tired of Seattle Seahawks. I'm sick of them. It's nice to see Arizona making these statement victories here. They beat the Rams earlier in the season. They beat Seattle. I mean, they are going to win the division now, I think. And if they don't, that would be a crying shame. 9-2. to 23-13 after Seattle got shut out last week. That was pretty crazy by the Packers, if I remember correctly, right? That was pretty damn crazy. Russell Wilson doesn't look like the same guy. He struggled big time. Of course, a major injury is going to do that. And still, and still, this is this was done without Kyler Murray at quarterback. Somebody called Colt McCoy. Remember that name that we've heard about 50,000 times? Started off with a pretty icky uh, Cleveland team. Vikings supposedly wanted him in that draft years and years and years and years ago now. Colt McCoy. Yeah, I think he came out in the same year as Matt Ryan or the year after. I can't remember. A couple touchdowns, 328 yards against that yucky Seattle defense, which the Vikings toyed with earlier this season. The most, yeah, actually, honest to God, the most... Uh, convincing win the Vikings had the whole season was against the Seattle Seahawks. Not against Detroit, against Seattle. That says something about the Seattle Seahawks defense. It does. Uh, Zach Ertz, a big game for Arizona, 23-13. Max Williams continue to recover. Check that out with Darren Doogie Wolfson if you want to. You want to hear about from Max Williams, former golfer and current Arizona Cardinal, who would love to spend the rest of his career there. He made damn sure that we knew that about five times during that interview. And I don't blame him. I'd love to be in Arizona. 
good team, and uh, I'd love to live in that state, to be quite honest. It's not bad. Chargers again, now up 14-3, to flashing on the screen right next to my big, giant new Christmas tree that I got. This one, of course, again, like I said, an episode or two ago, did not have lights wired onto it, which I finally was smart about that. I finally got wise, because the last two trees I had with the lights already wired on to the uh, tree, permanently on there, of course, when the fuses went bad, and no matter what I did to replace them, and they'd recover for a minute and go bad again, which didn't make any sense, I'd have to trash the whole tree, because you don't want to have a whole section of the tree die now, do you? With no lights, that wouldn't make any sense. So I finally wised up and got one without lights, and then get the lights yourself and roll them on, you know, which doesn't take that long. It's a little irritating for a couple seconds, depending on how tight the area is, and it's a little tight over here, but it looks beautiful. <laughs> and it's easier to do, and of course, if a light goes bad, it uh, costs five bucks versus 70 or something like duh so now we'll talk about the division teams chicago baltimore chicago almost had baltimore baltimore they went from so damn good to almost losing to us vikings should have blew the crap out of them to getting blown the crap out of by i think it was miami last week yeah it was the miami dolphins crushed the baltimore ravens the miami dolphins crushed the baltimore ravens last week that makes no sense chicago bears they're pretty much dead i mean they're they're not going to catch the vikings now Earlier in the season, you might have thought, that's crazy. They're not catching the Vikings. They're 3-7. and seven. They're toast. They can't score for their life. And Baltimore beats them 16-13 to 13 in Chicago in uh, Soldier Field. Chicago Bears are stuck in third place. And uh, their head coach uh, is uh, going to be looking for a new job, like 99% chance. No Lamar Jackson even in this one. Somebody named Tyler Hundley threw an interception and 200 yards and stuff. And then the Red Rifle suited up after Fields got hurt early. I threw a couple touchdown passes. Red Rifle was better than Fields. I think Fields was thrown in a little early, but uh, that's how that goes. That's how that goes. Sorry to hear that took place, but uh, that's how that goes, I guess, with the Bears. Detroit and Cleveland. Well, Cleveland Browns finally won a game. They're back above 500. Fourth place in the AFC North. Fourth place. That's it. Fourth place. Last place because it's a really good division right now with Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's decent, and then, of course, Baltimore ruling the roost at the moment. Detroit drops to 0-9-1 on the season as they tied Pittsburgh last week. Isn't that the darndest thing? The Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers would be in the playoffs right now, believe it or not, as crappy as they are. Cleveland's 13-point second quarter is what did in the Detroit Lions, who continue to suck hardcore, and it's unfortunate. Somebody named Tim Boyle threw two interceptions in the game, and that didn't help their cause. Didn't even get 100 yards like a bad bowler. Only got to 77 yards, like 77 points as a bowler. That would be really bad. San Francisco, 49ers. Let's look at the history a bit, if we can. And i got to remind myself, there is a call-in from Gerald String going into segment number three. That's going to be fun. Always is. I didn't, yeah, I didn't convert it, so I'll have to convert it during the break into an MP3 file with Zamzar. San Francisco leads the all-time series 24-23-1. There was a tie at some point in the distant past. The <clears throat> history goes all the way back to the first season, 1961. We actually played them twice. We used to play them twice every year, the 49ers, leading up until 
67, looks like. But then we still played them at least once a year for until all the way up until 73. Wow, rich history. Vikings lost the first four, won the next five in the early 60s, the mid to early, early to mid 60s. Then it was kind of a bit back and forth. He had a three-game losing streak in the early 70s, which doesn't make any sense. That's when the Vikings were super good. That's kind of weird. Uh, and then in the 90s, of course, the early, early 90s, when people like Montana and such were dominating, it was, uh, of course, the 49ers won most of them, Montana and Steve Young. The 1988 playoff game, which was the beauty when the Vikings got past the Niners in a divisional round. That's the only playoff victory in the history of the Vikings and 49ers. We played them in the playoffs quite a few times, actually. Um, the 88 season, the next year, you think, oh, we're going to do it again. No, 49ers crushed us, despite the fact they were only 10-6. and six. They went in and beat Cincinnati in the Super Bowl with the drive, with Joe Montana, the famous drive, where he stole the championship away from Cincinnati. And then the next year, 1989 season, 1990 playoff game, 49ers were all over the Vikings, rolled all over us, crushed us 41-13. to Kind of looking at the postseason history. San Francisco pretty much owned the Vikings through from about 88 until 98. As of course, again, that year in the second round, divisional rounder, the Vikings got, you know, lucky and weird against the New York Giants. We went into San Francisco and got obliterated 38-22. to 22. <sighs> Yep, history is not on our side in the postseason versus San Francisco. Just that one magical year where the Vikings got to the NFC title game and lost to the frickin' Washington Redskins. Oof, Vikings crushed the 49ers in 1999. That was Steve Young's final season. I don't even know if he played in that game. I don't think he did. If he did, it wasn't good. Yep, Jeff, no, Jeff Garcia, that's who it was. Yeah, they were just, yep, he was replacing uh, Steve Young, who had had a concussion and was never going to play again at that point. And Jeff George, that was when the Vikings were really picking it up again with Jeff George, a quarterback. Fun team to watch, but unfortunately ended up getting crushed by the Rams in the playoffs that year, who went on to win their first and only Super Bowl to date. 2003, the Vikings rolled all over the 49ers. 2006, that was when Adrian Peterson got hurt. 9-3, wow. Adrian Peterson got, no, that was not Adrian Peterson. That was the year before. Chester Taylor was the main running back. 2007, uh-huh, that's when Adrian Peterson I think missed a couple games. Yeah, he got injured in that game, if I remember correctly, late in the season. It helped the Vikings actually miss the playoffs, unfortunately. 2009, yep, that was the famous Favre to uh, Greg Lewis in the end zone, where we were actually going to lose to that very improved 49ers team. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, interesting, to say the least. That was Mike Singletary was the head coach, and he was, he was off to a good start at that point. A year later, he just fell off the face of the earth. He was insane. 2012, Christian Ponder and the Vikings had a beautiful game against a great 49ers team, and that was the most listened to Minnesota Purple Mafia podcast in history still to date. I won't say the number, but it was in the five figures. It was a wonderful feeling. Unfortunately, we were never able to catch up to that number since all these years later. Pretty crazy. Whooped by the 49ers in 2015 early in the season. Vikings didn't look so promising at that stage. Lost in 2018, 24-16, and of course got beat pretty good by the Niners <clears throat> in the playoffs. That's the last time we played them. Second round, 27-10. to 10. What's going to happen going forward? Well, they look damn good against Jacksonville. They've been all over the place. They're 5-5, five and five, just like the Vikings. They're actually very similar. They have a quarterback that's kind of like, 
Is he going to be here next year? Are we going to get rid of him? What's going to happen? What's going to be the story? Hard to say. Jimmy Garoppolo, though, he's, he's been good against us in the short amount of times he played against us. I remember he got injured. I think he got injured in the game against the Vikings. Back in, no, they, they whooped all over us and he got injured the next week or so. 2018, yeah, they came in and beat us pretty bad. It was an awful game. Or did we win that game? Now I'm blanking. I think we did win that game. Yeah, that was the season opener. We looked like crap. And the 49ers were not well thought of at the time. That's what it was. And then Garoppolo got hurt like a couple of weeks later. ACL out for the season. <clears throat> That's what happened. We looked like crap in the game. But we still won. Skated by, basically. San Francisco, though, beat Jacksonville 30-10 to today in Jacksonville. Jacksonville drops to 2-8. and eight. Didn't force an interception against Trevor Lawrence. They kept James Robinson down like two and a half yards a carry. That's actually pretty impressive, to be quite honest. Their defense is decent. They're a decent team. They don't blow anybody away or anything. But it's going to be, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a pivotal, uh, pivotal game as we go forward, to be quite fair. It's going to be very pivotal when you look at how things are going. Garoppolo and Cousins. Obviously, Cousins has better numbers significantly. Cousins with 18 touchdowns, of course, before today's game. Now it's at 21 and two interceptions. That's really good. Garoppolo now at 13 touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, excuse me, 12 touchdowns. He's, he's not that exciting. Uh, running game. Uh, Eli Mitchell's got 560. He's the highest guy. Debo Samuel's actually rushing for 970. No, he's receiving 979. Eli Mitchell's the running back. With three touchdowns, though he is averaging almost five yards a carry. He's actually had a pretty strong season, to be quite fair. Eli Mitchell is doubtful. Well, was doubtful in today's game. So we'll see what happens with the ribs and such. Maurice Hurst and Jamichael Hasty were out this past week. The offenses are pretty similar in terms of points. 14 to 16th, Minnesota's in the lead there. Yard, total yards, 9th to 14th. Again, this is before today's game, which is annoying. Because you know this isn't going to be updated. If it is, I'd be very happy. Passing yards, Vikings. Yep. So Vikings offense and 49ers offense, pretty culpable, but the Vikings are generally ahead of San Francisco, which is which we should be considering. It just it just shows how conservative our freaking coaching has been because we should probably be way ahead of this 49ers offense, to be quite fair. Ninth in rushing versus 13th and blah, blah, blah. Time of possession, we're way ahead. 11th to 22nd. Interceptions, we're way ahead. 8 to 4, we're doubling them up. So that's not even close. We're, we're first in the league in sacks. At least we were going into today's game. We didn't get it too many. San Francisco averages 16th. Their defense is like mediocre. Well, it's mediocre in the statistical numbers. But they're really damn good against the pass. So I got to think there's going to be a little bit little bit extra Delvin Cook mixed in this one. I got to think, especially on the road and all that. Total yards against the are 8th. So they're stingy. And generally speaking, they're stingy, but nothing spectacular. And again, they're good. They're good against the pass, and pretty weak against the rush. Twenty second, the Vikings are actually twenty eighth. Though we're terrible against the rush, if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> um, it's like nothing really stands out about the 49ers, other than they're just kind of stingy, and the offense is decent, decent enough. They're just kind of a middle of the road, slightly above average team. Uh, it's a road game. Vikings history against San Francisco has not been good. With the way the Vikings have been playing, with the momentum and such, as long as we can kind of hold our own and not give up 100 yards on the ground, 100 yards, like 200 yards on the ground, 100 is like average, 
or so. So we give up 130 yards, even going into this game. We give up less than that today, at least. San Francisco averages 122. So their rush defense isn't that good. The pass defense, though, just over 200 a game. That's really good. Allowed, that is. Uh, 49ers are 3-2 and two in their last five. Of course, beating Jacksonville today. Vikings also 3-2 and two in our last five. Losing to Dallas and Baltimore. And it easily could have been wins, especially the Dallas game. But Baltimore game, too. It just drives you nuts how many games the Vikings should have won this year. Drives you absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Very, very winnable game in Levi's Stadium. I think the Vikings do win the game. I think the Vikings do win the game. I'm feeling more and more and more optimistic because they've been so strong during uh, the past month or so. The Vikings have been very strong. There's almost no reason why we shouldn't uh, at least be very much in the game. It'll come down to the final plays of the fourth quarter. Yes, I know you're all sick of it. You're sick of the nail-biting and the some people called it heart attacks or this or that. Let's try to stay away from those type of words. It's kind of scary. Vikings should be able to beat this team. I do expect it to be relatively low scoring. I don't think it's going to be 34-31. More like something like 27-24, something like that. I think the Vikings squeak it out. 27-24 versus the 49ers. Be it a late kick from Mr. Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo. Late kick from Mr. Uh, Greg Joseph again. God willing, hopefully, on the road. <laughs> It'd be nice. Or a big drive by Kirk Cousins to wrap things up. Maybe San Francisco makes a run. Maybe the Vikings are up by two touchdowns, which also wouldn't surprise me if they did that because we do it all the time. All the time, the Vikings do. And, um, yeah, we've still led by seven points or more in every game. Yep, the entire season. That's now ten games now for the Vikings. We've led by seven or more. The Vikings will lead by seven or more against San Francisco. Maybe we have to hold on at the end where the Garoppolo and Co. make a little bit of a comeback and the Vikings get the big stop down the stretch since we lead the league in sacks and hit the job done and win the football game 27-24. Well, that will take a break and return, and you'll hear Gerald String lead off the fan interaction segment. game I'm ready to throw them, throw them in the garbage and then they come out and uh, shucks they go out to Los Angeles and they look like I think Los Angeles was was a playoff team there before I think they still are um, played a full game um, somebody must have been listening to our podcast I bet you Zimmer's been listening to our podcast and no more of the three yards in the cloud of dust like getting the ball downfield to our to our uh, superstars JJ, so had a great game, and I watched that game twice on Game Pass, and I really don't have any uh, any Christian Ponder type of plays or players. They played a pretty pretty consistent game all the way through, finished the deal, uh, walked off, and came home with a victory. So uh, who knows? Great job! It's it's in there somewhere. Uh, the name of your podcast was perfect. What could have been? Um, you look at that schedule they have they could have won in they should have they've been in every game they should have won at least two or three or four more uh, i'm not going to say they should be undefeated but they should they should 
they had a great opportunity to win quite a few of those games. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, our least favorite team coming up, the Packers this weekend. Well, uh, <clears throat> you guys are pretty optimistic for a win. I'm uh, maybe not quite as optimistic, but who knows? Maybe we can, uh, maybe Anthony Bark and take a, take a side shot on uh, Aaron Rodgers and knock him out of the game or something again. And that'd be great for the whole year. Then we'd be set. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Skull Purple Mafia Nation. And I thank you for that call in. Gerald Thring. Awesome. Great to hear from you, Gerald, out of Nebraska. Yep, well, it was uh, Everson Griffin that tried to injure uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I guess that didn't happen. I know, like, none of us are really hoping or wishing for injuries for anybody. It's just kind of a funny bit because it's crazy to, still crazy to think that actually happened and how things changed so dramatically for Green Bay that season. I remember years before, he had the shoulder injury. Today kind of gave me memories of that one. For some reason, I almost had to work outside in the extreme cold with the wind today, <clears throat> and I was listening to that one on the radio and then got caught up with it to do the podcast in the evening that year, way back in 2013. Hard to believe 2013 is called way back, but it is now. It's been, what is that, eight years ago already? That's weird. That's weird, yeah, but that was against Flynn and Ponder, if I remember correctly, were the two quarterbacks in that game. I believe it was Ponder, yeah, yep. And the Vikings tied against a Packer team that couldn't do anything. It's pretty embarrassing, actually. I think wasn't it like zero to zero or something? It was really bad. It was so stupid. Uh, but yep, I'm trying to be optimistic without being too optimistic because there's no. See, with me, I'm optimistic with how they're playing right now. But long-term optimism is not there in terms of you know the the, the leadership positions, the head coach, the general manager, and the current quarterback. Current quarterbacks got the special skills that other quarterbacks haven't had for the Vikings over the years. You know the Ponders. The Matt Castles, the the Bridgewaters, and the Case Keenums. They haven't had the special skills like the big arm and the accuracy down the field that Christian Ponder has. But Teddy Bridgewater thought out a little bit mental game. It was a little bit better leadership skills, a little better in the locker room, this and that. More likable, this and that and that. Um, it's not even like, like uh, Kirk Cousins isn't likable. I'm sure they get along with him just fine. It's just a weird relationship, weird situation. I, I've always said a million times about how leading up into this season, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer never really met, never really had meetings, you know, leading up in a uh, week to week where you think that'd be normal that a quarterback and a head coach would do it, even though the quarterback and the head coach play a different part of the ball. The head coach is supposed to be the head coach, not just the defensive coordinator, ultra, <laughs> ultra gamma version or something. I'm just making up a word there. Um, but no, awesome call-in, great call-in. Thank you, Gerald. Appreciate that. And it's, I feel optimistic in terms of how the approach has changed. We're actually utilizing our strengths, like common sense. It's like me doing cleanups. Just think about it this way. A really, really strong north wind that blows into the woods, right? Uh, at, at a certain yard, another yard, uh, another yard, it wouldn't really make much of a difference or it might actually hurt me. So I go to the yard where it would hurt me instead of the yard that it would help. So you like utilizing the north wind where it would help blow the leaves right into the woods so I don't even have to hardly do anything as I'm blowing the, the leaves. I could just blow them right in there and the wind's helping. That's about that's about as much common sense as it is uh, <clears throat> utilizing your quarterback's big arm and utilizing the big weapons you have like Justin Jefferson, no kidding, the past couple of weeks here, about 300 yards in the last couple of weeks. 
no joke. Uh, Adam Thielen obviously getting more and more involved as well, thanks to uh, obviously his demand and others' demand, saying getting him freaking involved, which is uh, obviously very much necessary uh, in order for this team to have some success. So let's attempt to move forward. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to attempt to do a whole lot. At Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, first, I probably should talk about the Vigit line. I'm really sorry. The Vigit, Vigit application on Apple and Google uh, uh, phones, smart devices of any kind, iPads and Galaxy tabs, whatever the heck they're called. Social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks and see what others are saying about games. Vigit betting leagues, a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports better is over the course of a month. Free-to-play sports book, bet-free coins, win real prizes. Betting stats, there's great information available on the Vigit like line movement where the public is betting. This is not real money wagering. It is like fantasy betting. It's a lot of fun. Encourage you to join at Vigit. V-I-T, uh, V-I-G-I-T, pardon me, <laughs> Vigit. Two different words like, yeah, Vigor, Vigit, V-I-G-I-T, Apple and Google devices. Also, the Crypto.com application, I'm encouraging you to join that to get into cryptocurrency trading. It's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. I've made you know money off of it. It's it's worthwhile. It's a lot of fun. Crypto.com. I'll put a link in the show description which would uh, help this show greatly and you also would get $25. It would give me and you $25 going forward. It would help both of our accounts <laughs> and get things started, this and that. And that would help the show a lot ultimately, because cryptocurrencies have been very helpful, and I think it would help strengthen the show some more. Please do click on the link if you could. I'll put it in the show description. That is a referral. Otherwise, neither of us get anything. See, if you were to join it, you know, individually, neither of us get anything. So, that's how that goes. Um, let's continue now. At Purple Mafia Show, the notifications. I'm expecting this to be relatively quiet. Good. Looks like I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I get to see Mad Martin in Black Space, though, getting involved. Thank you, guys. Very much. Retweets from Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. Vince Germano out of Australia. And I think, oh, no, it was just those two this week. No, uh, no, um, Malcolm McSween out of California this week. Hope all is well, Malcolm. God bless you. Hope you're listening and hope, hope to hear from you as a call in at some point again. I missed that. Black Space says Zimmer like, very Zimmer like. That was on that 75 yard one play drive by Rogers to uh, Gatling or whatever the heck his name is. Candling, I don't even remember anymore. Oh, yeah, I know. I know who he is, obviously, but it was a big play. Oh, it was embarrassing. I was sad, and it was like, what the heck? <laughs> and I was saying, but of course, one play. That's all it took. Uh, I was like, of course they're going to score. Boy, did they ever. Mad Martin says, Groundhog Day yet again. Season is on the line now. You need seven now, and the Vikings did get it, ultimately. Or did we actually take a field goal. I think we did on that play. Nope, no, we, we got a touchdown on that drive, which put us ahead. Yeah, that was big. Uh, Mad Martin says, think most of us do. So, JJ, 104 yards in first quarter. So far, 36 yards. Not good enough. Yep, it was quiet after that first quarter. That's crazy. 104 yards in the first quarter. I was saying I can already sense how the game was going to go. It felt like it was just going to be Rodgers. Like, we're going to score early or whatever, and then Rodgers is going to march down the field and win the game. He just about did. Locally, we were able to convert. We didn't just get seven. We got eight, which was awesome. Yep, and then Mad Martin says, the positive is that it's been entertaining, and I was saying no doubt about it. Mad Martin says, bleeping D. So Zimmer gets to spend all his free agency cast on rebuilding this. What a waste of money. And that was, again, the one play. One play drive. 
that embarrassed uh, the Vikings defense in a big way. Um, Black Space, Sebastian Barton out of Mankato, says, how can a Zimmer defense be so out of place so often? Mad Martin replied to him saying, just pisses me off how much free agency cash was used to upgrade the D and Jack all invested O-line and Jack all invested in O-line to protect the biggest asset. Not sensible team building. Yep, like Jack all, like, like bleep all. Like they'd say in Australia, like bleep all, that means nothing. That's what they mean. They're saying like nothing was invested. And I was saying that was pathetic. Yep, the play, that was uh, disgusting. It was too easy. And I was saying, oh, you can't make it up. That was the interception. And then thank God in heaven that it was overturned because of the, yeah, helmet to helmet dilly. Black Space says in these, it's these moments that he proves that he's not worth $35 million. Luckily, he kind of did. At least uh, he's been pretty good late in games, let's be fair. But obviously, against Dallas, he yeah he did something down his leg in that game. Mad Martin says, painful, my man. But as they say, a win's a win. Need to win the next four and not by three bleeping points. I still have zero faith in this team. At the end of the day, same here. Um, that's why I'm not jumping on the clouds and dancing and screaming and cheering. This is not a 15-1 football team. 15-1 season, there's no home field advantage. I've seen a 15-1 team. I know what it looks like. I've seen a 15-1 team, a 15-1 season go up in smoke in seconds after a very depressing couple of moments. It was very, very hard for me, without a doubt, and I'm sure it was for most of you that were alive to see it. <sighs> that was a tough time. Tough, tough time. A wonderful season, and it all went up in smoke. It hits you like uh, a, tr a ton of bricks with, with needles in it. I mean, it just hurts so much. It really does. It truly does. So, let's continue to move forward, if humanly possible, to the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Pro Mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash Pro Mafia show. I do want to retract a bit too, because I know I missed some guys last week. This week, I posted everything on time. So it's no more of that stupid foolishness where I screw around and forget to post it or I don't press the button or something idiotic like that. Also, there were some, if I can find the stupid button, there were some. Uh, Damn it, anyway. Visitor posts. If I can find it. I think it's in this section. Here we go. I can only use the mobile application to get there. Here it goes. Mark Carlson. I'll get to that one in 10 seconds here. Leland also posted Tarkington versus the Patriots. Cool looking uniforms. Patriots are more red back then. And they had that classic logo with the uh, patriotic looking guy hiking the ball. That was a cool video. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Leland out of Iowa. Ah, too much noise. Not now, not now, doggone it. Um, and then Brent Jacobson says, praying for a speedy recovery here. What was that all about? MSN? Oh, yeah, uh, Dakota Dozier was hospitalized with the COVID-19, so very, very scary. And he was vaccinated. Not trying to get political, but he was vaccinated. It's just, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that one. It's... I'm not celebrating anybody's sickness or being vaccinated or not being vaccinated, but it's still question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> That's kind of how I look at that. Mark Carlson, out of Iowa, legendary Purple Mafia member, says, here it is, way back in 2012. Yep. 20, it was November 14th, nine years ago at the time, in 2012. 
Mark Carlson, when he won Gold Star of the Year, he was this is this is what Steele did basically, standing next to the just giant Viking statue when he posted a Purple Mafia show. Nice little editing job there. Mark from Iowa says, "Get up to date with Paladino Joey, your Minnesota Vikings podcast, Purple Mafia show." Standing next to a giant Viking, beautiful day outside there, with the green grass and the clouds. Really well done, Mark out of Iowa. He says, "Hey, this was my Facebook memory this morning. Nine years goes by fast." Skull, brothers and sisters, this picture was taken in Jamili, Manitoba in early June of 2012, apparently. Really cool that he posted that and uh, turned it into a Purple Mafia show with Dealey. I need to save that, and yeah, that's a really cool thing. And I'll save it forever. I think I did save it back then, but it's saved again now. Those are the visitor posts, so I wanted to get caught up with that. I know Mark posted that last week, and now I finally acknowledge it and I'm really sorry. I was going to and I had it up and then I just kept going like a dummy. Uh, the Chargers postgame thread, there were, I think there were three extra comments here that I didn't get to last week so I better get to it out of respect because that's not nice if I don't. Mike Dale, because there were at least that many. There might have been, there might be five because I think there was only one from Jeff Froyland. Yeah, they, I'm confused we won. Mike Dale says, as delighted and surprised as I am, the Vikings pulled off this result. I can't help but feel disappointed that this team could have been in a better position. Well, yeah, I'll finish it. I think I read this last week, but I'll read it anyway. In the standings, a playoff picture of Zimmer and his staff would have managed all the other closed games that we lost better. This team is incredibly inconsistent, which is something that needs to be still be worked on. I still don't have much faith in Mike Zimmer and his staff to lead us to the promised land. Yeah, I don't know about the championship, the promised land. Yeah, it's tough to say about that, isn't it? I did read the Jeff Froyland one last week. Leland says, At times they look brilliant, a well-oiled machine, cooking right along, still too many penalties and mental mistakes, a win's a win, and keeps them in the playoff hunt. This was, again, the victory over the... I'm already blanking who we played, which is really sad. Chargers, yep. Okay, Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, I feel the only reason we won Sunday was that we played a team that also finds a way to lose close games. We just came out on top this time, but they also got the players, the, the playmakers more involved, so maybe things will continue that way. So Rick Paulding says, well played game today, and I thought it was too against the Chargers. Rocky Hens definitely knew to the group here. I'd have to say, sports is a joke. If I wanted to watch a bunch of primates establish dominance, I could see that at the zoo for the price of a bag of peanuts. I guess you don't like sports too much. Out of Towson University, apparently. He likes to make uh, music, apparently. Vocals, guitar, bass, as a, and as a musician. Must be friends with somebody. <laughs> uh, well, no comments on the most recent episode post. That was what should have been, it was called. Uh, here's the in-game thread. We'll try to go through this as quick as possible, and then we'll get to the uh, final section sooner than later, I hope. I was saying how about it was incomplete. It's a miracle. Yup, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, one bleeping play. Brett McCarthy said we got a break there, and we sure did. Mike Dill was like, wow, wonderful. Again, again, how that was uh, taken away. We gave it right back, but then we got through there. Mark Carlson says, ah, the hated Packers. I've been looking forward to this game all season. I love the rivalry. Nothing would make me more happy than a sound trouncing of this cheesy team. <laughs> I hope the skull chant is loud and obnoxious today because we all know how rude their fans seem to be. We are the Vikings after all. No mercy. Skull. It has a Viking pointing at the camera like, uh-huh. He, uh, yep, Mark Carlson, 
It's been uh, absolutely awesome. <laughs> it always has been. And really appreciate what you've been posting. And obviously, again, really cool. Um, always love it. And yeah, it was a very interesting game today. Lots of uh, emotion on both sides. The fans were very, very much in it. A lot of Viking fans, as loud as it gets, actually. Nice to hear a lot of Viking fans actually being loud and not being like Packer fans actually louder than us, which it feels like sometimes. The Cowboy game drove me nuts. I mean, there were so many Cowboy fans. I'm like, what the hell, man? Mike Dale says, I'm in a positive mood today, and since negativity can be a growing cancer, there'll be no talk of false downs or letdowns, <laughs> false downs or false, dawn, false dawns or letdowns as it currently stands at 3-3, three and three, two field goals with the fallen rank Limburger crew. I think we'll pull off a win today, and thankfully we did. Deppie was saying, Octembers are flaring. Love the pass rush so far. It was pretty good. Must win game, according to Leland. Yep, everybody was excited about Justin Jefferson. Ben McCarthy was like, oh my God, and a big play as well. Beautiful play. Justin Jefferson, that got everybody extremely excited. I feel like I'm missing a ton of things, but... Uh, yeah, because it's doing that infamous, most relevant thing, which should be all the comments. That might be most of them, because I kind of went through quick. Yeah, Mike Dale was, yes, skull. Yeah, that was a cool image there. Yankees said, be aggressive. Interesting. Yankee also posted on, uh, responded to me at one point as well, saying how we gave the ball right back. Yep, love hearing from Yankee out of Brooklyn Center. In there, in there somewhere. Yep, Yankee just couldn't believe it. Yep, shaking his head after the interception. I was saying you can't make this stuff up. And how can you? Now we'll move on to the final section. I hope, I apologize if I missed anybody. I truly do. The final section here of the fan interaction, not of the show, but the fan interaction segment. The show's almost done, but not quite. Mike Dale says, ah, <laughs> I said I wasn't going to be a negative, moany bastard today, but I was able to remain that way, though I had to fight both tooth and nail to remain so at times. I'd like to wish all the cheese knuckleheads a very safe yet long trip back east over the St. Croix or Mississippi as they stew about their bemused silence. They're used to winning. They're they're used to winning these type of games. Well, we're used to our team choking and losing these these games. I have to say, this was one of the most bizarre games I've ever witnessed. As a Viking fan, where it seems almost every penalty, officiating call, video review, and random bounces seem to go all in the Vikings' favor when the Packers pulled off many big plays. It seems like many instantly negated, many were instantly negated by officiating decisions or reviews. I'm not really used to seeing them with Aaron Rodgers as its quarterback receive so much negative adversity from the officiating crew. So while I'm over the moon that we beat the Packers in such dramatic fashion, I'm a bit concerned that the Packers still kept up with us despite the majority of bounces, lucks, officiating calls going against them. On another day, with another officiating crew, the result of this game could have easily been different. Damn, there's, there's that negativity creeping back in. Really got to work on that. Man, oh man, Justin Jefferson was absolutely uncoverable for most of the game. He was huge for us in a really huge, important game. Absolutely loved the guy. Kirk got lucky a few times with almost being intercepted, only to be saved by the officiating crew or replay technology. That said, he was immense today and came up aces in a big game with the game on the line. 
Huge kudos to him, and he'll probably take the Fran Award if it wasn't for J.J. Absolutely running roughshod over the Packers' secondary. Those almost interceptions we can't really chastise him for because it was a previous fear of him and the coaching staff to throw said interceptions and playing too conservative that ultimately lost most, if not all, of those close games earlier in the season. Final paragraph of this massive comment. It's really good, really good, Mike. Uh, as for negativity or cons, I fear we are going to need to draft more cornerbacks as our secondary was pretty atrocious today, yet it's against Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and crew, but they still but they were still pretty poor and ineffective. That's all the negativity and whining that I'm going to muster up for today. Today was a good day, Skull. P.S. Sorry for being long-winded. And that's fine. That was a really good comment. Awesome comment, Mike, out of New York. Matt LaBelle says, Packers are still up three games in the division. Yes, and he's a Packer fan, and that's okay. Uh, he's local. Went to school with them years ago, especially with my brother there. He did. Uh, Brett McCarthy was saying that's the way you do it. Gerald Springs says, Skull won two big games. Brett McCarthy has the Viking nodding in agreement. Tony Coleman said, whew, yep, feel with him there. Mark says, it's a W, it's a W, bye-bye Packers. Jeff Froyland says, I don't, whoops, I don't know if I can watch any more fourth quarters. They're going to drive me to drinking. Yep, it's a, that was pretty damn intense. Pretty damn intense. Gold star for this show is going to be shared by Mark Carlson and Mike Dale. You guys were absolutely spectacular. Gerald Strig and Matt Martin will share the Silver Star. I'm going to give the. I'm going to give the bronze star to Sebastian, uh, <laughs> Black Space, and uh, Brett McCarthy are going to bring in the bronze star for this episode. Thank you guys so much, and always appreciate the great interaction. Now, if you want to get on the show, like Gerald String did, and that was so cool to hear from him again. I, I love how he does it. Um, all you got to do is open up your smart device. Open up the free voice recording application that every smart device has. Open it. Treat it like a phone call. You know, as you press record, treat it like a phone call. Talk. And then go on for about anywhere from up to about five minutes or so. Hit stop. Share it. Slash email it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. You will then be on the air with mine. You'll lead off the fan interaction segment. Very, very cool. And always appreciate it when you do that. You'll be guaranteed to get some kind of star, gold, silver, or bronze. And it doesn't mean anything, even if you just get a bronze. It doesn't mean like it was a bad call. It could be a fantastic call. It's just there might have been fantastic comments as well. So it's not against anybody ever. Really appreciate all of you and Mark. Great memories. That really helped you get that gold star. But along with the great comments along the way as well. Really appreciate it. And Mike Dale, you are incredibly good. <laughs> you really are. Ah, you are a future Hall of Famer, no question about it, for Rural Mafia. Hope all of you uh, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, as now we're heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas season and all that. Absolutely love it. Best time of the year for everything, like beer, video, <laughs> beer, and, and, and uh, different types of food and such. It is the best time of year. It's the best beer there is. And I'm not big on drinking a lot of beer, just the really high-quality stuff. Uh, you know, always high, highly recommended, like Sierra Nevada Celebration and such. The uh, Goose Island Christmas IPA is incredible. Really recommend all of those. Uh, again, hope all of you have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. God bless all of you. I can't believe it's uh, 400 years ago last year, the Pilgrims first landed here, and there was the very first Thanksgiving. It's just pretty damn incredible at the end of the day. I believe the first Thanksgiving might have been that next year, so this might be the 400th and first Thanksgiving yeah, ever. Uh, can you believe that? 401st uh, Thanksgiving. 
pretty, pretty incredible. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. God bless you, and we'll talk about San Francisco next week. Mm-hmm.